name is Chris, and I'm the host of the Birding Life Youth Podcast, the show where we talk to young birders to find out what makes them tick. Tonight we've got a really special young birder on our show, Zach Simpson. He's a really fantastic birder. He puts me to shame whenever we go birding together. So I'm really um, excited to have him as a guest tonight. So welcome, Zach. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I really, I mean, I really appreciate this opportunity. I really appreciate you know, being able to be part of this amazing birding life. I'm really excited about the future and what birding life has in store. Awesome. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Zach. Um, like, who are you? What do you do? Are you an ornithologist? <laughs> ah, I wouldn't say I am an ornithologist. I would say that I am a, a young guy that is, is trying to learn as much as possible. Uh, I would intend on one day hopefully furthering studies and either becoming an ecologist or an ornithologist perhaps but at the moment I'm someone who wants to just learn and yeah I think there's still so much to learn I'm sure that's for everyone there's never never time to stop learning. Yeah and, and let me tell you like for for those who might have birded with Zach before um what he knows about birds or what he has forgotten about birds, you're probably still learning. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty pretty daunting, daunting thing to actually bird with Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. So, um, along with being a really good birder, um, you're actually a very, very good photographer. Um, I mean, some of the pictures that I've seen is like they they National Geographic worthy. Um, and you've captured some... Bird, um, birds that are like really awesome to see um which photo would you say is your favorite which bird is your favorite that you've captured so far yeah well so to be honest it's a really hard question i've thought about it a lot and i don't think i could choose to be honest all my photographs that i've taken have all got stories behind them and they might not be the greatest photograph but the 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 story leading up to the photograph just for me was amazing. I mean, I was photographing broad bull in Kubieni and we spent two days looking for this thing and we were walking in this dark gully in the forest and there this, this two broad bulls were. And I mean, it just was a adrenaline rush of note and an amazing sighting. The photograph was a bit grainy, but I mean, it was just an amazing opportunity. And then I've got lots of other photographs. I mean, I went on a pelagic the other day and there were some amazing birds there. I've got some cool photographs. Um, great winged petrel with a piece of shark's liver in its mouth or Indian yellow-nosed albatross taking up off the water. We've got some mangrove kingfisher photographs, which were also really wonderful. So it's it's really hard to choose. It just depends on, depends on, yeah, it's just, they're all awesome. And I just love the story behind the photograph. Yeah, I think one of the photos that uh, sticks out for me that you took was the one of a uh, um, violetback starling. Uh, and the way you just captured it was like so awesome to see it because like you look at it through a pair of binos and you often don't really see all these awesome colors. But when you took that photo, I was like, yo, I've never actually realized how beautiful this bird is. Uh, yeah, that was on Big Birding Day last year with uh, Adam's team. So it was really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any tips and tricks for those who are amateur photographers? Um, like. Do you have anything that you'd suggest they do or um, anybody they can learn from in a sense? Yeah, well, um, for myself, I've been doing this for a, a year or two now and 
I've really been blessed in that I'm, I'm at Westville Boys and they've got an amazing, amazing photography department and task team. So we are tasked to photograph all the sport at school. So I've had mentors at school teaching me, showing me how to use things and I can use this equipment and they've got like half a million rands worth of equipment that I can take out on holidays to go and photograph. So obviously equipment helps. But for me, I think spending lots of time in the field is very important. Uh, you know, often you go out and it's not the best conditions and that, but spending time out there, you're going to get those perfect opportunities. And I'm telling you, opportunities will come over time where you can just get those perfect photographs. And also just find the right spots. You need to think about where the bird's going to go. Don't just walk around thinking, okay, well, hopefully the bird will just land in front of me. You know, plan plan that species is going to be this this area or this red-chested flaptail is probably going to come out in this area so you know be ready for that spot yeah uh, that's that's actually very interesting because i mean i think a lot of um people who are amateur photographers think that you you it's all just luck of the draw and you just um point a camera at a random spot and you just like click and then you get this amazing photo but uh, you you're actually saying that you need to kind of plan your shots in a sense and and um, kind of understand the behavior of a bird. Yeah, definitely. If I'm correct. Yeah, well, that the, yeah. learning the behavior and the way the birds act and their their habitat requirements, I think, is a very important area in photography. It makes a big difference. Okay. Yeah. Um. And you, you also, you just uh, a couple of minutes ago, you, you mentioned that you've captured some really awesome seabirds. And um, that's because you've been on a pelagic recently, or pelagic, yeah. sorry, if I'm pronouncing it. <laughs> and what's some of the, the birds that you saw that was really awesome? Yeah, so we went out with Neil Perrins, with Busted Birding, and our, our main target and our, the reason that I went in October was hopefully to see Barra's petrel. It's a bird I've never seen before and very, very rare in Southern Africa. Um, yeah, there's only 4,000, estimated 4,000 individuals that breed in Reunion. So that was the, the target species and we got it. We had one coming past the slick, the oil slick, and it was really, really, really wonderful. Um, Arctic tern, which was very nice. shear water, which is common. That was a laugh for me. Yeah, watching petrol, great wing petrol, Indian yellows, albatross, brown skier. So overall, it was a really, really nice pelagic. Um, that sounds awesome. And do you yeah. have any um, like suggestions for those of us who still want to do a pelagic? Uh, like, should we take a bath bag with us or <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you think we should do? Yeah, so I, I, I generally have the tendency to get quite seasick. Um, so I've been on two pelagics. I went to one one last year and I got pretty sick. Um, and I just find that it's quite important. I, on this pelagic, I, I stayed very active and I was actively photographing every bird that came past. And I kept my mind off of getting sick. But on the previous one, I felt like I just sat there and I, I knew I was going to get sick. So I, I kind of thought about it too much and I didn't, I wasn't very active. And I think that's, the mind plays a large role in that. So if you keep yourself active, it often helps. But also, just as a backup, I think it's very important to try and find some medicine. I took Studeron. I took it like two days before. 
right through to the to the morning of the pelagic. So yeah. Okay, cool. That's a good tip to have in the future. <laughs> so, so um, is pelagic birding one of your favorites, or is it one of your not so favorite uh, birding kind of experiences? Yeah, well, for me, I think pelagic birding is probably the most exciting for me. I just, I think there's nothing better than being out on the water, and there's huge potential. There's, I mean, we could get anything coming in. I mean. A few years ago, they got Tahiti petrel came in, and this is the first the subregion. And there's always that anticipation that something like that could possibly come in. And for me, that is is really exciting, you know. And, and raptors as well. There's also that aspect. You never know if an air's hawk eagle is going to suddenly pitch up over your head, or a um, European honey buzzard. So I find that that really captivates me, and it makes me very excited. Okay, cool. Um, but what would you say is your favorite kind of birding? Um, in which kind of area do you are you a bushveld kind of person or are you a forest person? What is your favorite kind of birding? I think if I had to choose between those two, I would probably say bushveld. I think bushveld's got a, a larger diversity. Um, it's easier to get bigger numbers, and also there's a lot of cool birds. Forest birding does have its its positives. I mean, I, I've spent a lot of time in misspelled forests, so there's Cape Parrot and that sort of thing. But in the morning, you, you battle to get a lot of species. And it, it's not always about the number, but it's quite nice to be able to get a, a high number of birds and just be able to, you know, see a lot of things. So I think bushveld birding, the birds are extremely vocal. Often you get good views. It's not very high up in the canopy or just flyovers. So I, th- I would say bushveld birding for me, northern Zuland or the low felts, are really, really cool. Yeah, Northern Zululand is probably one of my favorite birding spots. It's so awesome up there. Mm. So where is your favorite birding spot? Um, do you have a specific nature reserve that you really love going to or just like a general area that you like going to? You know, it, it's a very hard, hard thing for me to, to choose an area. I, mean, I love Northern Zululand. I've spent a bit of time there this year, um, St. Lucia, and then even further north, False Bay and Kubieni, and it's really nice. But I think if I had to choose, I would probably choose my my local area, which is Harding and southern KwaZulu-Natal. And the reason for that is I've spent so much time there, and I've it's an under underbirded area, and I've actually thought to myself, okay, well, hang on, what species could I find here? And I made it a goal to set out and find these species, and quite often I find them, which for me is really just i really enjoy that that's great and um i I know from experience that you're quite a daring person like you you've walked barefoot in a forest where there's snakes and all that and i'm not that kind of brave that's just it seems to be exclusively you with that (laughs) um (laughs) is there anything in nature that actually scares you yeah to be honest i think the reason that i run around with no shoes on quite a lot of the time is I've grown up on a farm where it's just the schlep to have shoes. They just get full of mud. and So I find that it's nice to just have no shoes on. But I do have to say that I do get quite nervous walking around sometimes in the forest when I don't know there could be a, a puff at a, right next to my feet that could grab me or I'm not sure. So I, do, I definitely do have some fears. I've started to wear some shoes to my, to my mom's request. 
just in case something happened when I was on my own or something. But yeah, definitely do have some some fears. Yeah, I, I remember the the one time a while ago we we were walking. Um, it was the I can't remember the the nature of, but it was also uh, Durban North Zuland area, and we were walking and we came across a green mamba. Uh, I I still. I'm still thankful that I wasn't closer to it. Yes, I'm but it was a beautiful sight. <laughs> All right, so for those who don't know you, uh, you spend quite a bit of time in Harding, right? Yes, yeah. My dad's got a farm there, and I grew up there. So, what are some of the special birds that you've seen in that area? Yeah, so I mean, Harding is a is quite a diverse area. I mean, it go it's quite an it's a long strip of area that goes from quite coastal right inland. So, I mean, I've spent a substantial amount of time in all the different habitats. There's drier grassland, then moist misspelled grassland with, with misspelled forest. And so, I mean, there's a huge variety all the way from nice and a woodpecker, which I've had on the, the coastal side of Harding. I've heard garden warbland. There's gorgeous bush rock, which is quite a low down for its range. Um, so some cool things there and then closer to the farm I've had common button quail and marshall um, there's an area that's that's got about 10 denim busters that are normally there so yeah and then you start, as you start to move more inland I, f I found a flay that's got five pairs of five not pairs sorry five individual grass owls which was really fantastic to find I just hope they stick around in that area and then you move into the misspelled forest and grassland and I've seen black wrap button quail there's a site for Blue Swallow, which I, I saw four individuals there last year. Um, and then the misspelled forest, Cape Parrot and Orange Ground Thrush, White Starred Robin, stacks of Barris Warblers. And then, I mean, this, this morning I was taking a drive on the farm and I saw three red-headed quillia. So that was also fantastic. So there's huge diversity. Really are some nice birds around. Sure, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um... Can anybody contact you to come when they come down there to Harding? Because I'm pretty sure a couple of people will want to go there after they hear all these special birds. Yeah, I mean, definitely. If you get hold of me and next time I go down, I'd love to take people. And I always really enjoy it. So I get a lift to the other side of Harding and I can get people to take me around. I don't have to ask my dad to drop me off in all these places, you know. But a lot of it, a lot of the birding is just hit and miss. Um, I mean, there's a Eurasian hobby that's around Harding. And I see that once or twice a year. So it's a big, you never know, Rufus, bellied, um, Rufus breasted sparrowhawk as well. So yeah, it's definitely a cool place to go and bird. Okay, speaking of um, really awesome birds, um, now we're going to talk about a bird that you probably don't like. Which bird is your bogey bird? Well, that is that's a tricky question. Um, so when I started birding a couple of years back, about four years ago, I didn't have anyone else that was a birder. I kind of started on my own. Um, my grandfather got me into it, but very quickly I was a, a bit better than him. And so my dad would take me to all these places. He would take me to Shawi to go and look for a spotted ground thrush. And he would take me to Tunzini and we'd go look for things there. So I found I missed a lot of common species that I wouldn't go and look on the in my garden for birds. I'd only go to those rare areas to look for certain rare birds. So I th things like little sparrowhawk, I've only recently got. That was a bit of a bogey bird for me, which was really unusual. But the ones that I still need that I should ha get soon or, or if they don't become major bogey birds, things like Terex sandpiper, 
that is probably one of the birds that I, I'd really love to see and I've just never been able to get to it. And rufous-bellied heron and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. um, and who is your, your conservation hero? Who do you want to be like when you are out of school and doing awesome things for nature? Yeah, well, if I, I, to, to be honest, I don't really have a, a conservation hero. I'm not one of those types of people that like to have a role model and that I'm my own person and I'm striving to, to be the best that I can be. So I definitely do have people that I admire. For example, I mean, Adam Riley, who owns Rock Jumper Safaris, I really, really admire him. He's somebody that has taken his passion and has developed into a massive, massive business worldwide, which is one of the largest birding companies in the world. And I really admire that, that someone has taken their passion and made it a lifestyle. And for me, that is something that I'd love to be able to do one day. Um, yeah, and then someone like Hugh Chitterden, who I also admire for his, his patience and that he can sit and watch a single individual bird for weeks on end. Like, for example, the black hookles that he's been documenting. I really just, I strive to be more like that in my birding life. Spending more time ob observing things, not just seeing a bird and rushing off to the next thing, but documenting their, their behaviors and their movements. I think that, that is really cool. Awesome. Yeah, I, it's really awesome. Um, I also got the opportunity to meet you, Chitterden, and like, I, I, I want to be like him one day when I'm older. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> okay, awesome, Zach. It was really amazing to talk to you, and I'm looking forward to hearing what's going to come up in your life. Uh, I believe that you've got some really great things planned for your future. Yeah, thank you. Some really I'm I'm excited to hear ten years from now that you the number one bird in South Africa. <laughs> well that would be great. Yeah, thanks. Okay, cool. Thanks so much. Thank you yeah. so much for listening through right till the end of this podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media and to subscribe to us on your preferred podcast list.